Once upon a time, there was a young woman named Elise who wanted to see the entire world and all the stories within it. One day, she met a white rabbit who asked her to come along for a journey of discovery. Welcome to Elise in Wonderland. Good morning, everyone. My name is Elise. I'm Jean. And we are the hosts of Elise in Wonderland. This is a show for those curious about the world, travel, culture, and new perspectives. And it is about 9.05 a.m., Sunday, March 18th, and we are so happy to have our special guest in the studio today, Mr. Jody Aberdeen. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. We're super <laughs> excited to talk to you um, this, this episode. So today we're going to be talking about your storied career in ghostwriting, how you got into <laughs> ghostwriting, uh, and what you're looking forward to doing next for your next step. So I think before talking to you previous to the show, mm -hmm. I had really limited experience and understanding of how do people get into ghostwriting and who are these ghostwriters okay. that exist in the shadows. <laughs> um, so I'm really, we're really honored to have you to talk mm -hmm. a little bit more about how you got into this business. So thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. It, uh, it's been uh, kind of a crazy ride in a lot of ways and uh, still ongoing. So mm -hmm. it'll, be, uh, it'll be fun. <laughs> I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Great. So uh, for all of our listeners, they know that this we break into each episode by having some gossip about the week. So <laughs> let's just get right into yeah. it. Um, first, we want to apologize for last week's show, Skipping. Uh, there's been a lot of travel and a lot of life events mm -hmm. going on, which Jen and I will talk about. And uh, we will be able to actually pre-record a few episodes as well to make sure that every Sunday morning there's at least in Wonderland content happening. Mm -hmm. So, again, sorry for last week, but we're back. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, Jen, how was your week? Yeah, um, I'm not sure everyone noticed, but two weeks ago we had a Korean Olympic session show, mm -hmm. but it was pre-recording, and some people didn't know because I guess we did a good job there. <laughs> so it was our first experience to have a pre-recording session, and we have to bring this huge, heavy um, microphone set. devices to downtown Hamilton. But it went well; it was fun, and I got some chance to editing a little bit before. Mm -hmm. So that was that was well. This is our first foray into pre-recording, and I almost I missed the live, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's nice to change it up. Yeah, yeah and we, th I mean, we are thinking it's better than skipping the show, so we will uh, we will try to have more if we have to um, if we are not available on the time. So mm -hmm. check it out. And as always, uh, please find us on Facebook at Elise1015. We have a little private messaging group where we ask questions to our guests live. <laughs> kind of like the new version of calling into a to a yeah. radio show. Yeah. Um, but please give us some ideas of things you would like to hear about and know more about. So we have the capacity to roam around the city and travel now with microphones and do pre-recording. Mm -hmm. So we're excited to expand our horizons. Yeah. And tell me about your uh, trip 
Nice. Yeah. So the, one of the reasons why we were not live was because I told Jin I need to sleep in for one day. <laughs> I had just gotten back from a week in Ireland. Um, the entire country shut down because there were two inches of snow, guys. Mm. Snow day. <laughs> it was weird as a Canadian to see that. Some people, they were like, wait, snow tire? What's a snow tire? <laughs> um, they were digging their cars out with little spades from their garden because mm. no one had, they just aren't equipped for that kind of thing. Yeah. And eventually I got in, um, I had a lovely PD week with a school in Limerick who was showing us around and we were looking at exchange opportunities for our international students. Wonderful. So that was a really good trip. I have some notes for a future episode so we can talk about that and it made me feel like an expert this last St. Patty's Day yeah. <laughs> this weekend. Um, we also had a guest visit the school. His name is Florian Schaefer from ISAF Media. So he was working, he's from Germany and his specialty is understanding how to market to a different culture mm -hmm. um, and how that might change things visually or what the message might look like from a South American culture mm -hmm. versus a Chinese culture, for example, when you're marketing education. Mm -hmm. So he worked with our TV film studio uh, students to create advertising material for our, our international department. And I also interviewed him too. Okay. So we'll have we have he has some very interesting insights on cultural do's and don'ts and yeah. in when you're visiting, you know, don't drink a cappuccino afternoon and don't have an espresso before a meal when you're in Italy because you will be that stupid foreigner. And remember don't bring the umbrella as a gift for China. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of weird th gift culture things too that well, let's not say weird, let's say different. No, weird. For me, <laughs> yes, different. Different things yeah. that you're like, oh, I thought bringing this beautiful flower mm. would be a nice gesture, but it really means death or yeah. something. Funeral, yes. <laughs> Funeral, yeah. Mm. So lots of interesting things to share um, from our special guest, Florian. Mm -hmm. And Jody, to you, how was your week? First, just a quick throwback to Ireland. There's a lot of Canadians that I know, and I'm yeah. not naming any names, who don't have snow tires either. And, <laughs> so, and they, they regretted it this past winter. Um, again, not <clears throat> naming names. Uh, so, as you pull your own uh, collar. As I, pull, as I pull on my collar. You can't see that on the air, uh, obviously. Uh, no, my week's great. Actually, um, I'm a bit uh, huskier than normal, I suppose, because mm. um, not, you know, um, which is probably good for radio, I would imagine. But uh, I... Um, uh, my girlfriend and I went to the Toronto Zoo yesterday. Yeah. Um, we went to see the pandas because this is their last weekend. Okay. So if you have wanted to see the pandas in Toronto, um, they are going to Calgary as of tomorrow. <gasps> so today is the last day for, uh, for you to go. Uh, so pop by the zoo. It was really incredible. I didn't realize this, but uh, pandas internationally are licensed by the Chinese government. And uh, you, wow. the, they're under an agreement. They technically are the property of China. Um, I would have to verify this, I'm sure, right? That this is what, yeah. I, this is what I heard, though. And um, as a result, uh, it's very rare to see them because they're as, a, as an endangered species, they want to protect them. They uh -huh. want to make sure. So uh, definitely a great experience. A lot of walking. A lot of wind. It was cold, yeah. but sunny. Uh, it was beautiful one. this weekend, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was, and uh, for the past week, I've just been um, working on my existing workload as a, as a ghostwriter. Um, in this case, it's a bit of editing and rewriting that I'm doing uh, for uh, a business owner uh, in the fashion industry. 
as well as I'm designing my own writing course. It's designed to be one of those uh, for creative writers. Uh, designed to be downloadable. It's cool. it's very trial and error type of thing. And um, also the Steel City Nomads, which we'll I'm sure we'll touch on later. Oh, we'll get but, into that. Yeah, we'll okay. get into that later. But that's it's been a pretty uh, hectic week. And also looking for um, even in my field, it's always important to have stable income, like a job. job. So I've been uh, job job. Yeah, a job job. That's right. <laughs> Working for someone else, showing up to the office, clocking in, <laughs> clocking out. So I've been uh, spending the week looking for those as well. So awesome. not really too extraordinary well the pandas were extraordinary but you know mm-hmm. aside from that so how are the pandas on tour then around canada no they were released for 10 years to the to canada from from china and they spent the first five in toronto uh, which ends today mm-hmm. and they'll wow. be headed to calgary for the next five years wow. so if you thought the drive to the toronto <laughs> zoo was long to go see the pandas mm-hmm. um but yeah this is the time if, if you haven't seen them and they were they were playful they were they were sleepy for a lot of the time, I guess, with the sun out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't care about the cold. Um, but my girlfriend and I and basically everyone else who went got some really great uh, Instagram photos and videos. And uh, they're adorable. And it really is um, a, a very rare thing to see. So, nice. We'll have yeah. to post some of those photos think, yeah. on our Facebook page. Yeah, they'll, they'll, be up on, um, they'll be up on my Facebook, on my Instagram. I'll, I'll be, I got a lot. I just need to go somewhere with Wi-Fi. Yeah. So <laughs> the Wi-Fi is a bit wonky where I live currently. Yeah. Anyway. So, as everyone knows, mm-hmm. yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. Sometimes on our show we do a history of the day, and I was like, I can't. Okay, it's yesterday. Mm-hmm. But um, being in Ireland and uh, coming back, I was like, I, usually when I travel, I realize I don't know anything. Mm. <laughs> and this was another instance where I came back and said, I don't know anything about St. Patrick. I went to a place, I went to a church where someone, a tour guide asks, like, so does anyone know about St. Patrick? I said, Nope. <laughs> so I wanted to know a little bit more and, and share with our listeners. Um, a lot of people do know this, but he was considered the patron saint of Ireland, and he was credited for bringing Christianity to the country. But a lot of people didn't know that uh, when they think of St. Patrick, they think of a guy in green, maybe like leprechaun drinking beer, and really all of these things just came to be associated with St. Patrick's Day, but not the man himself. So he didn't wear green. There's actually... He there's a, such a thing as St. Patrick's blue. <laughs> okay. So apparently he wore blue. That was his color. But later green was associated with Irish independence. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Ireland uh, was nicknamed the Emerald Isle. If you ever see photos of Ireland, it's just green pastures everywhere. Mm-hmm. So then green started being associated with St. Patrick. Then he was actually British and born to Roman parents. Wow. Um, and he... so has nothing to do with Irish. <laughs> then he also used the shamrock, which is the clover, usually three, it has three leaves, yeah. as a metaphor for the Holy Trinity when bringing Christ. So when he was teaching about Christianity, he would say, this leaf is the Father, this is the Son, this mm-hmm. is the Holy Ghost. Then shamrock started being associated with it. Um, and I didn't know that around the world, people like to dye things green for Besides beer, mm. there's a river that's dyed in a sh- whole river for five hours, the River Kelly. And the White House lawn is dyed, uh, the fountain on the White House lawn in the States is dyed green as well. Also, the Prime Minister of Ireland gifts a bowl of shamrocks to the U.S. President on St. Patrick's Day. And I was trying to find photos. I don't know if this happened with Trump, but mm. I'm <laughs> curious to see 
this oh. it's really just a gesture of goodwill but i don't know what trump mm. would say to a live a bowl of shamrocks he might turn <laughs> he might turn into a salad <laughs> let's check he the tweeter yeah. <laughs> we'll check his twitter mm-hmm. he's always active on that as we know okay so there's some some facts about saint patrick's day did you guys know any of those uh, there's there's only so much that you can yeah. learn about the things that you take for granted. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know as you said, I think it's uh, it's just, it's never just about the green beer. It's mm-hmm. never um, yeah. you know um, it's it's interesting too. I, one thing I did read somewhere for a lot of my friends are um, they're Wiccan or, Neo, or they consider themselves pagan. So it's interesting the symbolism of St. Patrick's driving the snakes out. The yeah. snake is a symbol of the of the pagan practices and beliefs uh. that was in Ireland beforehand. Apparently this, snakes never existed in Ireland. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so like it was it was a, another Im- a myth. Yeah. Yeah. A, an imported Sweet. symbol again. Uh-huh, right. That's uh-huh. just come to be associated with it. I thought that was pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. So you was, walk around and you see all these bars decorated and, and yeah. people celebrating but maybe they don't really know why yeah <laughs> well any excuse to drink right i guess that's really what it's marketing. become yeah yeah marketing <laughs> although right here in town um i was glad to see it's i think it's called 33 bowen now um but it used to be called Solange's bar yeah, yeah i, I was, saw that i was glad to see that they reopened um, uh, i'm curious how if anyone has gone uh, i poked my head in it yeah? still looks really nice but i'll uh, have to give a full review yeah Solange's was a good place yeah, yeah. definitely full of memories Oh, man. Okay, so we're going to go into our first song now um, before we talk about this really interesting topic of (laughs) ghostwriting. So this first song that you chose is Paramore, Last Hope. Um, Tell us why this is important to you or why you chose this song. Well, I'm very, I'm unusually eclectic in my music selection. Um, For this one, it reminded me um, when I was just, my first year of doing ghostwriting, I decided which I think in hindsight was a mistake, but you know, you learn, right? I decided to go full tilt. Um, I'd had um, numerous prospects. I quit my jobs. I basically did all that. But then that put me right into uh, the kind of rocky path, right? Of, mm. well, now I have, now I'm not getting bills paid. Somebody said they were going to work with me and now mm-hmm. they've backed out. Somebody's needs a payment plan suddenly and I can't do this. Suddenly I'm running into skill, all these different problems. Mm-hmm. And around the same time, um, I had decided to rescue a dog. She's now my dog, Bella. But uh, mm-hmm. I had no place to take her. Right. Um, where I was living at the time was uh, was actually I'd moved home for um, with my folks previous to that. Mm-hmm. And now I had we they, there were no dogs allowed at home. We had cats, mm-hmm. and so they said, "Let's you know now you have this is a good excuse as any to move out." Yeah. So suddenly I'm dealing with new business fostering a dog uh, and i found um a, a wonderful friend named kim uh, and her family um fostered her in whitby mm-hmm. and uh, i was uh, i was driving twice a week to come see her and whatnot while meeting clients while doing the work <laughs> while doing all this so there are times where i felt hopeless and i was at a starbucks at one point mm-hmm. and i hear the song kind of playing and i'm listening to the lyrics and it's like uh this actually made me feel a lot better mm-hmm. so that became oh, something i play whenever i'd be on the road um yeah. and uh Wondering if it's all going to work out. This so, is a perfect, yeah. perfectly fitting first song, I think. So yeah. when you're first getting into the new business and hoping everything yeah. comes yeah. together. Yeah. So we're going to listen mm-hmm. to Paramore, Last Hope, and then we will be back with Jody um, after the break to talk more about ghostwriting. Welcome back to Lisa in Wonderland on 101.5 The Hawk. It is 925, and we are talking to Jody Aberdeen about 
ghostwriting. So welcome back, everyone. Um, now it's time for Jody's story. <laughs> Man, the, the tables have turned. I'm usually on the other side. I know. Of this. <laughs> we were just talking about how Jody's usually the one asking all the questions, you know, taking on the voice of the person. Um, but now it's our time to grill you. So thank you. We appreciate you being open to this. Perfect. <laughs> thank um, you. So why don't we start with what is ghostwriting? For those who don't know, Help us understand what it is. Okay. So ghostwriting is essentially when you have a writer uh, creating your written content on your behalf. Mm. It's the simplest uh, definition. Mm. So that person's name typically either doesn't appear at all on either the book or the blog, whatever it happens to be. Uh, sometimes they appear in the credits as edited by mm. or um, special acknowledgments to this person without whom this book couldn't have been written type of thing. Um, <laughs> literally could not have been Literally written, could yeah. not have been written. Uh, there's a lot of, um, it used to be considered a very negative term, this idea that you're plagiarizing or that you're, um, you have, you're, you're basically an imposter because you got somebody else to develop mm. it for you. In the hip-hop community, I know um, certain hip-hop artists, they've... Uh, been accused of having ghostwriters take care of their lyrics, which uh, in in that sense, maybe not the best use of the yeah. term because you want authenticity in your lyrics in that case because it's a bit of a creative thing. That being said, for nonfiction, even for a little bit of fiction um, in the in sort of the book world, mm-hmm. um, as well as blogging, it's still the content of the author, right? You're still the creator of it. Right, it's your story. It's just yeah. the writer, the ghost writer in this case is a technician. And of course, ghost, why why we use ghosts is that, you know, you don't see them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They're invisible, so they're there. Um, and uh, that's essentially it. You're not, um, my practice has been largely, uh, if you had to look at it from a term, like in terms of actual tasks, mm-hmm. a lot of it involves um, listening, interviewing. Um, recording those interviews and transcribing them, but then turning the material into something that is professional grade, that is something that you can mm-hmm. publish, something that gives you credibility, mm-hmm. and that still sounds like you. Mm-hmm. That's been the biggest challenge, and that's actually the area where I am uh, currently doing a lot of work, mm-hmm. is uh, helping authors who sound a certain way when they speak and then look, they read a different way when they write, mm-hmm. uh, helping them when you read it, uh, you can tell that it was them. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's basically the essence of ghostwriting for me. Okay. How common is it? Do a lot of people ha- hire ghostwriters? You ever wonder how those CEOs and those, poli- and those political leaders somehow manage to come up with a book yeah. while they're in office with everything that they have to oh, do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. I wondered that about Hillary Clinton. I was like, didn't you have enough going on? <laughs> well, I don't know. She's... She may have time now, but she, yeah. given that she's been on the speaking cir- circuit, she's still advocating yeah. for right. her causes and whatnot. Yeah. It's entirely possible she did. Huh. Even if you don't, um, it's never in a, a black and white scenario. Sometimes you may have notes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might have, mm-hmm. you're driving in your car, you decide to, you know, you have an idea, you record it, mm-hmm. right? You voice record it into your phone or something. Okay. Uh, whatever your material is, the ghostwriter also works as an editor in that case, compiling your material, putting it together. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, organizing it in a way that makes sense and then rewriting it so it's professional. It's about six or seven services, a lot mm-hmm. of freelance services rolled into one in a lot of ways. Now, is it mostly, is it biographies only or is it all genres? It's all genres. I, I realize I, I didn't answer your question. Sorry. It is fairly okay. common. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. A lot of people don't advertise as a ghostwriter. I did for reasons I'll get into later, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, uh, any author... Uh, 
who's published more than a couple of books or a blogger, especially and especially in this entrepreneurial freelance driven mm-hmm. environment that we're in now, mm-hmm. you will have a lot of ghostwriters. They just may not list it as a their main service. They may not even list it as a service. Mm-hmm. And do ghostwriters then go under aliases as well? Sometimes they do. Um, they do. And uh, it is uh, across genres. Uh, mm-hmm. So there, for example, James Patterson recently released a series of mystery books, but it said James Patterson with, and it's this name you mm-hmm. may not have heard of. Mm-hmm. That person in all likelihood, uh, I'm convinced anyway, is the one who wrote the book, mm-hmm. right? They took James Patterson, they took Patterson's characters, his world, and just created a story with it, essentially like fan fiction. Huh, right? interesting. And so what he did was he essentially franchised out a lot of his uh, fiction work. And Other that's, writers. and I think that's brilliant. Like that is, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that. That's that's kind of interesting. He As, will collect the royalties and provide it. Yeah, other people write it for it. <laughs> yeah, and they get paid, right? Of course, but yeah, they yeah. also get the exposure of being somebody that James Patterson wanted to work with. That's true, right? Mm-hmm. So that's I think true. that that's 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 one thing that I've heard of. Um, again, I've I haven't delved too deeply into that. So if there's mm-hmm. facts or there's things that I'm missing, I'd love to hear it because that's mm-hmm. something that um, that's there. But as far as my understanding is, James Patterson did that, as well as uh, anyone who's written a series, a lot of uh, personal growth and development people. Like Life coaches, mm-hmm. uh, guru speakers will, ha- again, speaking talent is amazing. They'll wow people on the right. stage. It doesn't always translate to writing talent. Right. No, yeah. no. And a lot of them uh, may not have done well with English in school. They're, the writing is not their strong suit, but mm-hmm. they can still communicate. So they, they basically hire us to, you know, people like me to, to take care of that. Mm-hmm. So, again, across all genres, anything mm-hmm. you can imagine, I think. Um, a book that I'm working on now, and I won't disclose too much, obviously, uh, due to confidentiality, but it is, um, it's a very technical book that the author wants to sound more like her, and she's very outgoing mm. and mm. very personable and very friendly and very cool. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking technical material, mm-hmm. how do you make that sound like a very outgoing, <laughs> cool, easygoing mm-hmm. person, right? So that's, that's sort of the challenge. And how them. accessible do you want it to be? Do you want yeah. it to be like popular science or do you want it to be a manual do yeah and how do you make a manual you know how do you make people in an industry for example where people don't get into it for those nitty-gritty details mm-hmm. they just know the end result right entrepreneurs of all stripes know this they have the vision they're the big mm-hmm, picture mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. Right, right and they don't sweat the details they hire other people to sweat the details right. for them right mm-hmm. how do you get those people to pick up a book from somebody else who's done what they're doing and then and make sure they make it. sure they keep reading. Yeah. Right. That's that's always the challenge. Cool. And it's never just about um, output, like mm-hmm. per hour. Right. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. writers charge per hour. They charge by word. It's very nuanced. It really is. Uh, it's like that. It's beyond just metrics. It's you. You have a knack for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, you can grow into it. But you have a knack, sort of a basic talent to begin with it. And mm-hmm. so that's something. I realized that I had other people tell me, and um, I thought this this is something I should develop. So, how did you start then? Tell us how you got into ghostwriting, <laughs> if you can briefly. Yeah, you sure. <laughs> Very- I want to be a ghostwriter. Yeah. How yeah. Do I do it. Okay. So if, if I want. If you want. So first, uh, my my suggestion is: so I had already written two books. Um, mm-hmm. I had written a self help in uh, two thousand and eight 
for uh, I was going through the quarter. I, I was going through my own quarter life crisis at the time, <laughs> and, uh, and quarter I, life crisis is like um, twenty five in your twenties. What am I going to do with my life? Yeah, typically you've graduated yeah. and you realize now what. Or in my yeah. case, in, in my generation of school, I graduated in two thousand four and realized, hey, this degree that everyone said would be the way to write my own ticket through life is not helping the reality me. Reality hits. The reality yeah. hits. Right. <laughs> you're you're unemployed. You're still renting. Meanwhile, you have this expectation that you should have had a house by now and you know things like that right um you can't get a stable job you don't know what you did wrong um essentially or this is the point where people travel to find themselves right that's sort of the quarter life crisis you know a riff on the midlife crisis where you've had all those things and now now what now what right it's that now what moment so i wrote that book um and uh it's called qlo the quarter life opportunity it's it's not quite in print yet but i am bringing it back i think um i'd be interested to read that one thank you yeah (laughs) it's uh it's kind of a downer ending i'll warn you now spoiler (laughs) alert but it's it it was good to explore right i think Mm -hmm. and the next one was a science fiction romance called convergence very much in the same vein as the adjustment bureau and the time traveler's wife type of thing Mm. so what that did was it gave me the experience of completing two books uh, and it gave me um, an understanding of print layout um, editing things like that right i hired other editors got an idea of how they work um and uh what that did too was like it kind of showed me that I'm not going to make millions and millions of dollars and fame mm-hmm. and fortune and all that mm-hmm. stuff. The odds are very low against that. So I'm going to have to create, if I want to make a living through writing, I'm going to have to do something that's a service for other people. It's not mm-hmm. just about me. Mm-hmm. And um, the two books, as long as with my blog, my years of blogging. Yes, my arts degree. I'm a, I'm a Mac grad with uh, you know with a degree in history and English. So I did a lot of writing for that. That all helped, um, but I was in. It was 2014. I was taking personal development courses uh, in mm-hmm. Toronto, mm-hmm. and uh, this one course is called the Self Expression and Leadership Program. And they did uh, part of it is you, is you have a project, so you get these creative mm-hmm. people looking to develop themselves in different ways, and some people choose uh, to develop a business, and so that's what uh, that's what I decided to do. I realized, hey, I can ghostwrite for other people. Mm-hmm. So 2014, I took the leap, got my first uh, few clients. Uh, some of us are still working together. Uh, just, you know, it's sort of a long pause until we resume our work. Nice. Others we wrapped up years ago. Um, some were great. Some were not so great in terms of, like, what I was able to give to them. Mm-hmm. It's a learning experience. You're never, mm-hmm. you're never excellent out of the, you know, out, out, out yeah. of the gate type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been sort of my ongoing thing. I took a hiatus in 2016 um, after a really bad experience and uh, – some uh, some mental health challenges that resulted from that, mm-hmm. and uh, I spent most of 2017 sort of revisiting, retu- you know, retooling my business. So I'm I consider myself in phase two. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So that's then now I'm here. I have a question. So it seems like a lot of post writing is individual and freelancing work. Is there any association or um, group of people who can guide you through? Any resources you can find? There are writers' associations okay. where many of them uh, are ghost writers. I believe there's one professional association that I did look into early on. I haven't lo- revisited them since. Mm. I am interestingly enough. I think I have um, I have a couple of calls this week with other uh, at least you know at least two other mm. people who've said that they do ghost writing as well. Mm. Um, so that's an information call just just to connect they can they found me what are your challenges what are some things Mm. that you would recommend yeah and and a lot of it is how can i help you huh right so for example um one thing is that you don't take we don't take on every project right Mm -hmm. right uh that's if you there's a lot there's a fair degree of intimacy 
in being present with the person whose story you're trying to tell. Mm. They'll share a lot of intimate details sometimes about stuff that's happened to them, uh, beliefs and ideas that they've had and whatnot. So if you don't resonate with the person in front of you, mm. it's going to be difficult to it's gonna be translate. Diff- yeah to take on their voice you need to have a large degree of empathy mm-hmm. and to reserve um, any judgment you may have about something that they've said this isn't about judgment mm-hmm. you're the safe space for mm-hmm. them to share you're holding that space for them to open up mm-hmm. so if you know at the outset you're not going to resonate with this person mm-hmm. um, then you don't it's take on an uphill battle they could be <laughs> offering you the moon <laughs> Right, <laughs> fame, fortune, th- hundreds of thousands of dollars. Don't take it. That's not your your, your integrity counts for that, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you 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 don't take that on a project that you don't resonate with the person. So, choosing a client is a uh, first step when you're looking into next projects. Can you explain a little bit more about? Okay, you have your dream client now. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens? What's what's your process? Well, it's interesting. I've uh, I'm currently I recently registered for. There's always training and development that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recently registered for a a course. Um, I think it was called. It's called the No Pants Project. Actually, Whoa, I'm getting ready to start. <laughs> it's a it's another writer. He's a copywriter, but this applies to any type of freelance work, right? About how to yeah. how to basically make uh, more money for your freelancing and whatnot. And so it, he said that uh, defining your ideal client is the starting point. And as I I realized that I've had ideas about this. Mm-hmm. I've done this exercise before, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, who would I love to work with? Mm-hmm. And really, I don't. Um, I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. So most of my most of my client base has been referrals and again it's that without defining into words I just have a knack for like if we vibe and I mm-hmm. think I can work with you and I've given I've told you what I can do right and how it's going to help you right and you say you want to work with me then great I'm um, sure with other writers maybe it's like okay I'm only going to do sports stuff exactly or, or right? they'll yeah. they'll have an, an affinity for one kind of topic or one kind of Person. Exactly. Yeah. This is one area where it's great to branch out and learn new things. However, if you have a sweet spot, then stay with it, right? Yeah, and once right. you have that sweet spot, once you have that ideal client and you're all set to go, um, you want to know about process? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So really briefly, in a nutshell, so the first thing we do is we see what material you already have. Mm-hmm. You've probably got a blog somewhere. If you're, if you're hiring someone like me at, at, at my pay grade and everything like mm-hmm. that, you've, you've already established yourself somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we take your existing material. Let me take a look. Let's mm-hmm. see what you, how you do this stuff. Okay, great. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you may have some audio recordings. You may have some scribble notes mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. on napkins. You have those napkin ideas right? <laughs> when you're hanging out at Starbucks doing your business, right? whatever it is. So we gather all your material, and I try to organize it. You tell me what you want to do with it. You've uh-huh. al- like, we've already covered that stage, right? So yeah. I know what you want to do. I take it. I organize it into different headings. Mm-hmm. If it's your story, if it's a biography, or if it's even a fiction story, um, then we just create arc points like a – like we're scripting it out. It's like, mm-hmm. here are the turning points that mm-hmm. of your life that you want to talk about. And we'll make sure that however we kind of meander in between them, we make sure we hit those points at some mm-hmm. point, right? So we organize it. And then typically, if you've got a lot of written material, I'll just start rewriting and refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a lot of – if you want to add in new material or if you just if, – if that's just sort of a basis – uh, we do voice recording, so interviews very similar to how we're doing right now. We're you know we're seated together, we're talking, and usually the last about an hour, maybe two. 
recording, you know, just I, I'll ask these questions and we'll see where it goes. And this is actually preferable to a lot of a lot of you know people who hire me will record their own voice, and that's great too. Uh, but as I'm finding, it's actually very difficult to to get in depth because mm-hmm. you yourself don't. If, if not, you may not ask yourself, yeah. These. Mm-hmm probing questions yeah you're not going to ask those next level questions or you may it's things that you can't see because you're in it right it's your life right um but outsiders may have different questions for you so you do that record that get that transcribed add that in Mm -hmm. and i just sort of do the draft that usually that fulfillment process can take um anywhere between a few you know could take a few months sometimes Mm -hmm. it can take um upwards to a year sometimes little things you know not little things but uh, significant things unrelated to the process interrupt Mm it um, legal issues, for example, if there's mm-hmm. something that I suspect you're going could get you into trouble, could get me into trouble, if you say it publicly, I, I would re- I would sort of advise that you consult with you know an attorney or something like that just to yeah. make sure see what, see what how so I can proceed. Yeah. Um, sometimes life happens, things like that. But once we do it, we go we do this back and forth, mm-hmm. and then by the end of it, you have your finished manuscript mm-hmm. and you are essentially ready to go. Uh, from there, you could either start submitting it to publishers. So I write you a query letter for them, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I ha- I've yet that's I've offered that, but I've yet to do that. Mm. Most, uh, almost all of my clients have gone for self-publishing. Mm. So Interesting. yeah. So at that point, you just tell me where you're going to publish on Amazon or whatnot, yeah. and then I can help you with formatting. Yeah, cool. And that's you're, it. You're so right. It does require so many diverse skill sets, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the interviewing skills. It's the coaching through. Mm-hmm. It's the writing yeah. alone is a huge part of it. But yeah. then understanding how to stay on a timeline, run your own business at the same time, manage multiple clients, mm-hmm. understand the publishing world. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting. Yeah path career path yeah, yeah and and the one thing that in phase two that i'm starting to tell people is don't do this for the fame and fortune mm. Mm. it sounds counterintuitive especially like what i want to you know you charge this much <laughs> and famous yeah it's like dollar, ha- what's yeah. my roi it's like your roi is that you get it written Mm. and nobody likes to hear you that you make somebody look good yeah it's like <laughs> however you, this is your business and yeah. I'll, I'll i'll i could show you some points but th- this is something that i grow tired of is uh Everything is half chance, mm. right? So I briefly worked part-time at an Indigo bookstore. It was one of the best employment experiences of my life, not just because of what I do, just because mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But at one point, we were laying out the bestsellers, and I asked my managers, like, how do they know? Oh, somebody at head office decides it's going to be a bestseller. Heather's picks. Or Heather's, Heather decides, right? <laughs> yeah. Heather Eastman decides. It's like... The CEO. But given that no one actually has a crystal ball that could see into the future, you don't know, hmm. right? So... Because it's a crapshoot, mm-hmm. right? Um, going into it for the fame and fortune is not the way to go, mm-hmm. right? I don't, I don't take on vanity. This is why they used to say self-publishing was called the vanity press, <laughs> right? It's like you just want to have a book, so you say, oh, look at me, right? Then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's part of that, but I don't – lately I'm not appealing I'm, – I'm not reaching out. They're not my ideal client anymore if you're just doing it to get famous, right? Mm-hmm. I want – the story is what matters. A mm-hmm. story well told is all that matters to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you want that, come and work for me. If you want me to show you how you're going to be a bestseller, don't come to me because, one, I can't answer that. And, two, no one can – anyone who says that they – Heather, I guess. Anyone who says <laughs> that they can, they may have some cred predicting things, yeah, yeah, but yeah. even yeah. their 50% – 50% of that equation is up to the world. Right. They don't know. It's like anything you release into the world. Yeah. Who knows how it's going to be received. Yeah. So, so – anyway. 
Speaking about that, you have some books that you have released. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of them, well, do you want to talk a little bit about Steel City Nomads? Yeah, so that's not a book yet. That's oh, okay. coming up. Yeah. Um, so Steel City Nomads is uh, it's a project that came about because I rent, like many people in the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recently had, um, I was subletting. So first, I mean, I was renting in Mississauga before this. And before that, I, I'd moved home with my folks after some life changes a few mm-hmm. years ago. But going back out to rent again, mm-hmm. um, especially like when I was, when I went to university, I rented, you know, for eight, you know, for eight years in Westdale yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then a couple of years in Burlington before I moved home and coming back out in the current environment where like you have a shoebox condo that can cost you like mm-hmm. half a million dollars in Toronto. And there's a lot of people, there's at least 30% of Ontarians, especially right at any given point. Mm-hmm renting Mm -hmm. which means you have this subculture of people who don't have a permanent home Mm -hmm. uh in a lot of cases you're subletting like if you're subletting you're off the radar entirely Mm -hmm. it's entirely between you and and the tenant you're renting from yeah so i'd had to move again i I basically had uh, was subletting in a place in Waterdown, and it was wonderful Mm -hmm. and then my housemate told me that she had to leave in a Mm -hmm. few months so which meant i had to leave right Mm -hmm. so currently i'm i'm renting again just out of a farmhouse actually in millgrove it's uh it's a pretty cool experience but even that technically if you know on the books is about six months right Mm -hmm. after that we go month to month it's Mm -hmm. like i don't we're gonna see how it goes and so many people in the city as like we're nomads essentially right Mm -hmm. we're we're migrating in the same city um Oh, I think pl- I've moved every year. Yeah, for like ten years in yeah. Hamilton, <laughs> and, uh, place to place. Yeah, it's like there's people who've lived in almost every neighborhood. You can mm-hmm. imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, often not out of choice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I part of what crystallized this was I went to the Hivex conference uh, earlier on, and I think it was November mm-hmm. of this year in Hamilton. This is great big gathering of young professionals, oh, and so it's an amazing event. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And uh, they'd said at one point that I think close to a third possibly half the jobs in the city for younger people like people under 40 is precarious employment either part-time or technical or or even full-time contract right Mm -hmm. so you have no permanent employment and you have no permanent living space right and i thought that does something Mm. to you right you call it we say hamilton is home but Mm -hmm. home is also temporary Mm -hmm. even though you're still in the same city Mm -hmm. so steel city nomads was kind of uh it started out as an exploration purely of rental issues Interesting. And then uh, I, I had a, I interviewed at least one friend for it. Uh, the idea was that I was going to turn this into a blog. So I have an account on Medium, and uh, I was posting it there. And um, it got interrupted by a few things, but now I'm retooled it um, because it's not just about the rent. It's about it's centered on that, but it's mm-hmm. about um, just people trying to make their way through life in Hamilton who don't have that certain direction, who haven't laid down roots yet. Mm-hmm. It and, seems like uh, this echoes kind of the quarter-life crisis thing very, as well, right? Yeah, it's very similar. I remember yeah. one image. It wasn't in Hamilton. It was in Mississauga when I was looking for a place to live. Ran into this. We were, we were touring houses. I had a real estate mm-hmm. agent friend um, sort of got taking me and, and um, the lady who'd become my landlady. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, it's kind of funny, right? We are just this little project that we did uh, to find me a home. And so um, to find my dog a home, more, more specifically. <laughs> and so um, that was our joke. But uh, there's this gentleman in one of the houses that we went to see. You know where you have an open house, but the existing owners decide yeah. to stay and it's kind yeah. of awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> uh, one of their, their, their tenant was actually up in the room, right? That was supposed to be my room. We didn't take it. But I thought, I walked in and I see this gentleman. He is um, easily in his, uh, his mid-40s. Mm. 
lots of tattoos. He looked like he just came from a really cool concert, <laughs> but a super friendly guy. He's like, yeah. hey, how's it going? Right, don't mind me. Right, and yeah. we're like, yeah, don't mind us. So it's a little that awkward, yeah, polite yeah. moment. Hey, just looking at your house. And I'm looking at him. I'm just like, you know, he's just on his phone in his bed like a teenager. Um, and I had a judgment about that. I was just like, dude, you're way too old to be living like this. And then I started looking into it. He's probably one of those 30% of people. Yeah. yeah. Right? I don't know his backstory. You know? And I thought, I'm 37 years old. I'm one of those people, yeah. technically. Yeah. Right? And what are we measuring that against? This blueprint of how it should be. Right. But Steel City Nomads is kind of my way of finding out how it actually is. Hmm. And um, I have a number of people that have been on my in my queue to interview for this. Um, the idea is that I... Turn into I'd write blog entries based on the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I would then record my own podcast. I'm not even set up. I have nothing like the hawk. Let, us know, like let us know yeah. when you're ready for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and then once we have that, I would take that material and turn that into a book. Very cool. Sounds like an amazing project. Thanks. Yeah. I think when, I just need to when you're ready to go, we will link it up for our <laughs> listeners because I think there Thank are you. a lot of people that that will resonate with them. Thank you so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be wonderful. So we could talk forever. Mm -hmm, Of course. I always can. (laughs) Um, But we are going to go into our next song. Mm -hmm. And after that, we're going to talk about how ghostwriting kind of led you to this passion and desire for travel. So let's get into this song. It's Ivy, Edge of the Ocean. Tell us about this Well, this is a throwback to um, I had been married. And uh, leading up to our marriage and honeymoon, Mm -hmm. we had... um, you know, when you when you had that excitement building, I was working a full time job that was very stressful at the time, and mm-hmm. um, getting ready for this wedding. And we were going to leave right from the wedding. We did leave right from the from the wedding reception to the airport to go traveling. Mm-hmm. So there was this big. Um, I was planning the trip to Cancun, and cool. I just saw I'd seen the water, I'd seen the tours to the Mayan ruins of Chichen Itza, something that was on my bucket list I wanted to yeah. see. And so the song kind of um, had come on a few times right in the radio, and it. For some reason, in my brain, every time I'd look at the travel brochures of the websites, it linked. <laughs> so I now, when I look back on this, I remember that time where we had this this trip coming up, place we'd never been to, beautiful blue waters, mm-hmm. and just starting over, right? Just that whole theme of the song. So cool. it's kind of a, in my head, it's a travel song now. Great. As weird as that might sound. Let's listen to Ivy Edge of the Ocean, and we, we will be back on Elise in Wonderland. Welcome back, everyone, to Elise in Wonderland. It's 9.55, and we are talking to Jody Aberdeen about ghostwriting, and now we are talking to Jody about your hit list for travel yeah. coming up. <laughs> so tell us um, a couple places that you need to go see. Yeah, absolutely, and that's part one of the big reasons I got into you know any type of freelance work, if you're successful at it, yeah. and you have the money coming in, you could do it anywhere, uh-huh. as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection, even if you don't. Yeah. Uh, especially with writing, I can just say, hey, I'm gone for a week, but I'll be working on your stuff on the beach, so see ya. Um, yeah. so, don't be n- mad, but I'll be lying in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm still working, so still yeah, billable. Of course, of course. <laughs> so no, no, it's great. Um, I, I haven't reached that stage yet. But I, I kind of dream about it, and so um, with uh, with my new changes in, in phase two of my business, I will have the option to travel should everything go well. I am not not good. So um, three <laughs> That's things. Always I, the dream. Right? Three, yeah, exactly. Three places I want to see, and without any too much preambles. First. The haiku stairs in Hawaii. So this oh is a, this, this is a staircase. Yeah, yeah, I think we should. everyone Google this immediately. Yeah. Now it is illegal. illegal first of all, you cannot <laughs> climb them. I, okay, you just know, look at them then. Yeah. Wink, wink. Just even even there, right? So I would like to visit the base of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And me too. <laughs> just see the base of the hike. I just want to see the base. I just want to see the base. That's all I'm going to say about up to that. the illegal area and yeah. not cross. Well, just yeah. to the extent that the law will permit me to go. <laughs> Great. So there's there. And for the rest of you, you can Google the haiku stairs and take a look to yeah. see some. It's it's legal to look. Yeah, it's legal to look, right? So there's that. And uh, there's that. And if you have a fear of heights, probably not the best option for you. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, <laughs> another one, my uh, my girlfriend and I, she's uh, she, we're, we're, we have our own little hit list of things, places to travel. And so Safari was one of them. Nice. So uh, I know very little about different African countries. I do know that I have um, some possibilities of travel to mm-hmm. South Africa, which I do believe there are safaris there. But my, I have tremendous amount of ignorance on the subject, so I won't yeah. pretend so to know. Yeah. I just know that we're, if there's a safari, I want to go on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one, I think this is the, the big one for me, is Paris. And again, it's not the most... I know the travel hipster in me is like, oh, so are, oh Paris, right? Where are so you going to go there? Yeah. Yeah, so overdone. <laughs> but I don't want to go on the tours. I could care less mm-hmm. about art galleries and all the touristy things. I just really just want to walk the streets mm-hmm. of old Paris and mm-hmm. uh, go to Montmartre and see and, and just hang out and maybe have a sandwich by the Seine or something like just that. Just like a city's and local person. Yeah. It's yeah. just a want, just to stroll around just and see what there. I find and eat some good food and stuff. Smell and, the Paris air. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's one of those things like for zero, you know, completely sentimental reasons, mm-hmm. if... You know, at the end of my life, if I haven't gone to Paris, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to go complete. Uh, so it's on your bucket list. It's on my bucket list. So that's it. And the, and again, like it's a big motivation for mm-hmm. me to um, to build my business. The fr- the problem with working at jobs, unless you have a job where you're able to travel, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and that's wonderful if you do. Um, a lot of the time you're trading your time for money. So it's mm-hmm. like either you have the money to travel but no time, or you have all the time to travel but no money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just for that self employment angle and. Is, is really the way to go. And if you can make it work, which I want to do, go see the world. Amazing. Yeah. So just to end off with you, mm-hmm. we're going to have to have you back for another talk. I think. Oh, I'd love that. Thank you. Uh, sure. How can people find you if they're interested in ghostwriting? Uh, right now, I do most of my work out of my Facebook page, um, contrary to the number of posts that I do. Yeah, so yeah. like I am there. So you can find me at Jody Aberdeen hyphen writer awesome. on Facebook. Okay. And um, Jin's going on to link it. It looks like yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, I am doing. I, I've I've sort of hopped off on updating for the last yeah. little bit, but I'm going to be posting some new stuff uh, in the next little bit. But send me a message through there is usually the best way to reach me. Awesome. So again, we're running out of time. I'm so sorry, but thank you so much, Jody, for sharing <laughs> your experiences, um, having us talk about ghostwriting and just get a little bit of an insight. Um, about what you do. An that's, interesting that's great. And thank you both for having me. It's been like, thank you. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, right. yeah, it's, I'd love fun. to come back if you were to have me. Yeah. I, I love to talk. We'll so. have you. <laughs> we'll have you. And then we'll extend to two hour show. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So just to close off, thank you again, Jody. And we are going to be talking to Tammy Huang from the city of Hamilton and Comotion. Um, she does some amazing work in the city. So we'll talk about business ownership and some stuff going on in Hamilton. And she's hilarious also. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to have her in the studio. 
We're going to end on Hans Zimmer, Now We Are Free, uh, which you chose because it has some African notes, which would yeah. play well into the safari thing. Yeah, Juba's mix. It, it's from the movie Gladiator, and um, it's, the, it's, it's the remix that he... Hans Zimmer was known as the international composer. Apparently, he likes working in these, these global sounds, right? Um, so he worked this in for the, uh, for the end of Gladiator. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite mixes. Awesome. All right, everyone. We'll see you next Sunday, and please enjoy. <laughs> 